I'm Leo. I'm Lauren. I'm Trevor, and we are the Boo Crew. Welcome to episode 139. Here's a Boo Crew fright fact. In 1992's Candyman, they used newborn bees who were just 12 hours old. This was a safer bet as they looked full grown, but their stingers were less powerful. They used no CGI, and they were bred specifically for the film. If you enjoy the show, please rate and write a review on Apple Podcasts. We absolutely love it. Oh my gosh, we love it so much. On those really crappy days, and I see a new one, I get so excited. It's like a gift. It's been very exciting since you started talking about asking people to not just click on the star, but actually write a review. And when you do it, we read it at the top of the show. Yes. At first, I didn't think anybody (laughs) gonna do it because we say it at the end of the show and i think it just kind of bleeds in with everything else but now that we're like bringing light to it it's really cool to have listeners that love our show and just haven't had the time which i get it like we're all super busy but the fact that they take time and write a little something special about us it's so cool it's super touching it really means the world to us it seriously yeah we absolutely love it and does anyone listen to all the way to the end of the show probably not i don't know they probably turn it off people need to tell us because i wonder Leo, do you listen to, when you listen to a podcast, do you listen to beginning to end, like the very end, or by the time they say the end spiel, are you out? No, I listen to the whole thing, man, because usually it rolls over into the next episode, you know, so it kind of, I kind of get the full, you know, experience. Yeah. You don't want to miss anything. You know what we should do? What? Put secret stuff at the end of the episodes? And like, part of our interview, like, save it for the end, like, you know, when you're watching a movie and you wait for the credits and then you see this (laughs) awesome little- end credit scene. (laughs) Exactly. Right? Like 30 minutes of the interviews after the show ends. Exactly. I think I am on to something. You're a marketing genius. That's right. And all you're going to hear is like something random, like, and then I covered her in maple butter. What the fuck? (laughs) What the hell? Exactly. Are you losing your mind? (laughs) (laughs) All right, Leo. (laughs) Leo. We need a palate cleanser here. Leo's going to read the one week. We got another review. I feel like the the lady lady in Ghostbusters. We got one! (laughs) (laughs) This one comes to us uh, by somebody who goes by SheP666. I think it's Shep666. Oh, it's Shep comes to us from who's Shep calling who's calling six, someone's six, phoning six. hold on hold on we got a call <laughs> we got one people are calling now leaving reviews while well, we're doing the show live this is exciting yeah. it's like live radio who's on the line she's texting me hey Aaron you're calling number 20 you just want a blue crew t-shirt yeah <laughs> all right back to Shep 666 oh my gosh Shep 666 says the best I can't say enough about this podcast. I have been listening from day one, and I can't believe it's taken me this long to write a review. From feeding my daily horror hunger to inspiring me to release a horror-themed podcast in the future, I absolutely adore the entire cast and Boo Crew. 
and look forward every week to see if a new episode has been posted. Thank you for being everything I have wanted out of a podcast. Wow! Wow, that is, that so, is so awesome. That is awesome. What do they give us? Yes. One one out of five stars? Half a star? What do they give us? How many stars? Five stars, man. Five yes! stars! <laughs> oh my yes! God. What yeah. the hell? Did you have like Thank an you, espresso chef. before this show? <laughs> Maybe just overtired, I <laughs> yeah, think. I think it is. Wow, chef that's six six. amazing. You rock. That's... I know. Thank you so much. You're so nice. Please, if, if you want in on this action, who wouldn't want Leo reading their review? <laughs> Live on the Boo Crew podcast, Apple Podcasts. Find us the Boo Crew on there. Obviously, you probably found us if you're listening right now. No shit. <laughs> Say something nice. Say something not nice. Yeah. No. No. Well, what if they I'll hate cry. us? If we'll read the bad ones too. No. no? You're encouraging people okay. to leave shitty reviews. All right. Please leave a nice review. That'd be great. Yeah. Scratch that. Well, on this episode, almost everyone from Netflix's new show. Warrior Nun that is available at time of release right the hell now based on the comic book series started in 1994 about a secret order of nuns who protect the world from evil with martial arts and weaponry and have cool names like Shotgun Mary. This show is so cool and fun. We are joined by Ava, Sister Lilith, Shotgun Mary, and Sister Beatrice, a.k.a. Alba Baptista, Lorena Andrea, Christina Tonteri Young, and Toya Turner. The Warrior Nuns hear all about bringing this show to life, their favorite horror flicks, the real life haunted set, and a whole lot more. Make a habit of listening to episode 139 now. This is Alba Baptista. This is Toya Turner. This is Christina Tonteri Young. And I'm the runner Andrea. We are from the show Warrior Nun. You are congregating for a new episode of The Boo Crew. <laughs> In this life or the next. The Boo Crew dusts a fright flick off the shelf for Ah! Horror Homework. Okay, we are going to go around the room and around the world wide web all the way out to Leo in beautiful downtown Eagle Rock. Rock. We're each going to highlight a horror flick to each other and possibly even to you that we consider a must-see or perhaps worth a revisit. Starting, as always, with our brother Leo. How's it going, man? Oh, doing well, man. Doing well. Just, you know, podcasting away over here. <laughs> doing <laughs> well. Fighting the good fight. Yeah, yeah. But you guys are not going to like this because this is where the studio goes up in flames. This is where the whole thing ends, where we lose the audio feed, where the computer crashes. What? I watched. What the hell did you watch? Antrim. The deadliest uh, film ever made. Oh, whoa. Shit. <laughs> Leo always watching the cursed films. Why is that? <laughs> yeah. What was the other? Demon House. He watched Demon House. That's his favorite kind. The film with the warning at the beginning that says it's a cursed film. Leo watched oh, This it. one's got one of those two, by the way. Yeah, great. <laughs> yeah, but how much more cursed can we all get? All right. Come on, Leo. Tell us about <laughs> Antrim. Out of, uh, I believe it was 2018, 2019. Uh, this movie was made by David Amado. And Michael Lacini. It uh, has a very small cast, and the two main characters here would be Nicole Tompkins, who plays Orly, the older sister, and Rowan Smith, who plays Nathan, the younger brother. So, this movie is basically about a devastated young boy, Nathan, who finds himself tormented by constant nightmares and infernal visions after the family dog is euthanized. To ease his uh, suffering, Nathan's older sister, Orly, takes him on a trip. To the woods to find the fable spot where Lucifer himself fell to earth when he was cast out of heaven. So as they dig 
to help rescue the dead dog's soul. As they follow unholy instructions, strangeness you know, begins to ensue and be open up a portal to the unknown. So this movie starts off with a little prologue here. It's, it's, it's said to be a cursed film from the late 70s that it examines the horrifying power of storytelling. This little prologue here in the movie details the, the movie's curse. The first 10 minutes of the, of the film or so tell you about the curse in which, um, you know, things happen such as the movie theater that went up in flames during a screening that killed all the audience and um, in, in, I believe it was Belgium, I think. And, you know, there's also another incident where people freaked out during the screening and ran toward the exits and trampled one another in a mad rush. Later, it was determined that the crazed concession worker had slipped LSD into the popcorn butter served to everyone in that screening. What the hell? I know, man. It's like so many crazy things that happen, you know, and you're finding all this out the first 10 minutes before, you know, they're telling telling you, hey, this movie's crazy. So what you're they're, right. they're just they're talking about what you're about to see. This isn't even the actual right. movie. Right. Nope. So you're getting, a, you're getting a, a warning for like 10 minutes before the movie starts. Jeez. So, and, you know, it's like, okay, then, you know, they give you a disclaimer and all that. And then, you know, so basically this film definitely succeeds in creating a creepy atmosphere and it makes it interesting to watch just for that alone. And it also has this, uh, visually has this muted, like color shifted palette that adds to the look and faded of found film of the 1970s that was uh, basically spliced together from bits and pieces. Because apparently, um, you know, a lot of it's, you know, some of it's missing and stuff that's, you know, spliced together, a lot of imagery and stuff. The imagery that you see is, you know, very effective and creepy. There's a lot of sigils and markings and blurred faces of demons. So, um, overall, yeah, I definitely recommend this movie. If you can get past the first dis- the disclaimer, the first 10 minutes, uh, definitely watch the rest. It's really interesting. And there's a uh, look for some little, uh, twists along the way. I highly recommend it. So clever marketing ploy or the real deal, real, real curse film. Can't say, can't say, because I mean, some I get- strange things going on in this film. Interesting. Hmm. I will say this. I, you know, it was, it was you, Trevor, who mentioned this film long, like, I don't know, it was like almost like six months ago or so. Yeah, I mentioned it and, and then and then never talked about it again because uh, that yeah. kind of stuff scares yeah. the shit out of me. <laughs> that, I, t- I went down a rabbit hole because there's a bunch of YouTube videos you could find about the making of this film and who's seen it, who's not seen it, who will see it, who won't see it. And that night, dude, I had the craziest, most vividest nightmare ever. And I'm like, damn it, just watching these clips of the, of the movie's trailer alone gave me nightmares. I was like, that's crazy, man. And then, and then, it, made you, and then it made you watch it. Yeah. You actually went yes. and watched it after the nightmares. Yes. No, not, yes. not I. <laughs> You're a very special man, But it's okay, man, this Leo. episode's not coming out anyways, because we're going to lose it in a few minutes. Stop it. All right, well, Antrim, okay. Well, maybe we'll work up the courage to, to check out Antrim. <laughs> You're right. Well, we got something We got something for you to work up the courage to see, Leo. This is amazing. Lauren and I saw a film that just started streaming on Shudder, originally released in 1994. You know I love a runtime of under an hour 30. I sure do. That's a sweet spot. Sweet spot. Yeah. Yep. So it stars Denise Richards alongside Paul oh. Walker. A little gem oh, I know. called yes. Tammy and the T-Rex. Woo! <laughs> yes! <laughs> so, Leo, have you seen this thing? I have. I've seen it once, only because uh, I crossed paths with the Paul Walker back in the day. And uh, yeah, it was a fun movie for sure. Well, this film is an absolute gore-soaked blast. It's yep. a horror comedy directed by Stuart Raffle. 
written by Stuart Raffle and Gary Brockett. Now, Stu Raffle is the guy behind 1984's Philadelphia Experiment, also the cult film Mac and Me back in 1989. And he wrote the original drafts that became Wesley Snipes' Passenger 57 back in 92. He just recently went on to write a novel called Rage in 2018. Plot-wise, this is the most bizarre thing you've ever seen. After an accident involving some high school thugs, Tammy's boyfriend, Michael, gets his brain transplanted into a giant animatronic T-Rex and exacts revenge. He is stomping on people, chomping heads off, ripping out intestines. No body part is left intact, and it makes absolutely no sense at all, and that's why it's (laughs) awesome. Yep, it's, I mean... (laughs) We were like, what should we watch? And it popped on and I was like, we need to watch this gem. Like, I cannot go on without watching this. Well, one of our kids is really obsessed with dinosaurs. So, like, that kind of sucked me in. And I was like, this, the poster art is really, really cool. It's really fun looking. It just, it makes you want to check it out. And I thought that I'd be like, okay, this is the stupidest thing ever. Well. I did think that, but (laughs) it was in the best way possible. It was an entertaining. Yes. Stupidest thing ever. But I think they went into it to make a film like that. It was written in three weeks. You're not going for Oscar nominations for Tammy and the T-Rex, like the title. (laughs) And didn't they, they found a T-Rex, right, babe? And then they decided to make a movie? Yeah. Part of the reason it makes no sense is because exactly what you're saying, how it was created in the first place. So Stuart was apparently approached by a guy who happened to have an animatronic T-Rex that they were about to send over to a park in Texas. They had two weeks left with the thing. So they decided, let's make a movie with it. Well, we got it. So Stuart threw a script together in one week and filmed it all at locations within 25 minutes of his house in in Calabasas. Other bizarre things about the movie, the optics team misprinted Denise Richards' character's name, so when you're watching it, even the title is wrong. (laughs) The title is displayed in the movie as Tanny, T-A-N-N-Y, and Tanny and the Teenage T-Rex. I was like, who's Tanny? I know, and she's credited (laughs) as Tanny in the film on the... On the end credits as well. <laughs> and in the beginning, but Tammy on the poster and in, in the movie. It's scored by Tyler Bates. Okay. The guy behind the John Wick franchise, the Deadpool and 300. And, uh, yeah. The Rob Zombie's Halloween movies, yeah, Guardians yeah. of the Galaxy and more. This is one of his, right. his first films. Wow. Yeah. I didn't even know that That's when we were watching it. That was just a recent discovery. Efren Ramirez shows up. Yep. From Napoleon Dynamite as a pizza guy for a few seconds. Nice. And, and Sean Whalen is in it, a genre fave who's been in everything from People Under the Stairs to Halloween 2 and Three from Hell and Batman Returns and Revenge of the Nerds movie. You recognize this guy is in everything. Yeah. There was a cut of this film with all the gore removed. It was originally marketed to families. In 2019, Vinegar Syndrome found the original, restored it, re-released it in select theaters with the gory cut and lovingly released the version that we all know and love now on DVD and Blu-ray. So, a uh, fright fact, a few of them, is the stuntman, there's a jaguar in the movie, and the stuntman gets bit by it, which makes me think of Coyote Peterson. Anyways, 
look up Coyote Peterson. Do you know Coyote Peterson, Leo? I'm not familiar. So he's like this animal guy and my kids just love him and he will just like put leeches on his hand and well he'll like get intentionally bit bit. by stuff and just to see what happens like those crazy (laughs) bees that are supposed to come over here the murder hornets i think he did he get bit by a murder hornet yeah i think he stung himself and it was not fun to watch the kids were on a live stream with coyote peterson today and his arm was covered in blood was it right yeah it was crazy (laughs) all these kids are watching that's awesome (laughs) yeah we got to get him on the show we're talking about make-believe horror here and your your kids are watching real horror. yeah the real thing There were nearby raging fires, so you can see some smoke in the outdoor shots. It was a fun ride. It is totally campy. And if you need a good escape. And and we all do right now. Yes. And a dinosaur and some really interesting, clever lines. You should go see Tammy or Tanny. 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 Tanny and the T-Rex. <laughs> Tanny and the And then I've already found some of the filming locations, so we're going to go on a little scavenger hunt and of drive around. Are. Drive around Calabasas <laughs> and You're going to be take we're going to be like the only ones. Maybe we'll start a whole thing right here. Oh, I'm sure we will. Us and uh, Shep 666. The Boo Crew will be right back. <laughs> This is the Boo Crew Podcast. Okay, this isn't a dream. This is hardcore real life. No, no, no. With superpowers? We belong to the order of the cruciform sword. Devout women who have dedicated their lives to fighting an ancient evil. Whoever bears the halo is a new champion. I'm sorry, can we maybe jump to the part where any of this has anything to do with me? Go ahead, scream. That's all we need. Another victim crawls onto the gurney for a Boo Crew autopsy. Joining the Boo Crew via the Speakeasy Studio are four amazing young storytellers. First off, an award-winning actor who got her start at the age of 16 in Simeo Kayat's Miami that earned her a Best Actress Award. She then went on to star in many celebrated Portuguese TV series and films like 2019's Cine Euphoria hit Patrick. It's Alba Baptista. Woo! <laughs> also here, trained in the art of improv and stage, winning Best Leading Actress in her work for Blues for an Alabama Sky, had supporting roles in Incredibles 2, 2018's official Tribeca selection, Dead Women Walking, and has gone on to star in Chicago Fire, Empire, Joe Swanberg's Easy, and more, Toya Turner. Next up, she holds a bachelor degree from London's prestigious Guildhall School of Music and Drama, where she appeared in countless productions and will next be seen in Netflix's Outside the Wire and films such as A Gift from Bob and the Swan, Christina Tonteri Young. Finally, she starred in short films like 2015's Leah, made her feature debut in Papillon in 2017 alongside Charlie Hunnam and Remy Malek, the horror films House on Elm Lake and Unhinged, 2018's Jesters and more, Lorena Andre. 
Yeah. All right. So together, this collective is bringing to life an absolutely enchanting adventure. It is so unique in that it combines elements of science fiction, action, drama, humor, the occult, and horror, and immerses you in this journey of empowerment, friendship, and personal discovery, all while kicking major demon ass. The stars of Netflix's new Warrior Nun, available now. Yeah! Yeah. <laughs> well, said. well, listen, first of all, congratulations on this amazing show. You should all be so proud of what you've accomplished with this. Thanks. Thank you. We know there's a lot of you on the call with us, and we we're wondering if you could just briefly, we'll go around the virtual room here, and each of you just say your name, where you are right now, and the name of the character you play. We'll start with Alba. Hi, guys. I'm Alba Bautista, and I play Ava in Warrior Nun, and I'm based in Lisbon right now. Hi, I'm Lorena Andrea. I play Sister Lilith, and I am in London right now. Hello, I'm Toya Turner. I'm in Los Angeles, California, and I play Shotgun Mary. Hi, I'm Christina Tontere-Young. I play Sister Beatrice, and I'm based in New York City right now. We had the honor of binging literally the entire series. <laughs> Have you guys <laughs> been able to see it all yet yourselves? And what did you think? Yeah, we've seen it. <laughs> <laughs> A handful of times. With all the magical elements come to life and all the special effects added in and the music and everything, what was your take on the final product? I was in awe of it. I thought it was very, very beautiful. I'm a bit of a crier, so I cried. <laughs> yeah, and it also just took me back to when we were shooting. It just took me right back to Spain. So all these memories kept coming up of shooting with the girls and being on set and all the fun that we had. So it was a dream come true to see. It really was. Lorena, this halo embedded into Ava's back holds a particularly special place in Lilith's heart. These nuns are a part of a secret group. What is the OCS? OCS stands for the Order of the Cruciform Sword. And it's a secret order that has been going on for centuries, run by the church. And nuns are there to protect humanity by fighting off demons and all sorts of evil. Well, focusing on that evil part and the horror elements of the show for a moment, are any of you guys horror fans? And what would be a few of your favorites? We'll start with Christina. I do like horror. I'm a sucker for the Conjuring series. Yes. Then, cool. yeah. I'm a sucker for those like reality TV when the ghost like hunters go into those houses and they kind of put themselves like into harm's way to step on nails and like run into doorways. Yeah. Yeah. When everything is creaking around them, I'm, I that's like my guilty pleasure. That's my popcorn evening. I'm just watching hey. people go into an abandoned house and scare themselves. <laughs> <laughs> Toya, how about you? For me, I'm all about Freddy Cougar, the Nightmare on Elm Street uh, franchise for sure. And although it's terrifying, but maybe that's why it's a good horror, Candyman, because it was shot in Chicago. So frightening for me. <laughs> and then, yeah, the new Candyman's coming out too. So it'll scare a whole new generation of people. We're looking forward to that. <laughs> it's going to be terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> you want to spread the trauma young, you know? And Alba, how about you? Yeah, I'm a big fan of psychological horror. I, I love the Blair Witch Project. It's one of the, my favorite movies, just the way it was shot. I love it. Also, I had this weird personal tradition when I was like 14 because I was in, I think I was in Germany, like by myself for a couple months. And one night I decided to watch all the scream. I'm like doing a scream marathon. 
And I realized that that really comforted me for some reason. And so I do that every year now, watching a uh, screen marathon. Oh, amazing. Uh, Lorena, how about yourself? <laughs> or is kind of scammy. <laughs> <laughs> and you've actually been in a few. I have. And um, I'm not going to lie, they weren't the easiest to watch. But um, yeah, I would just have to say that I haven't fully watched an entire horror because I'm usually the one with like the pillow in front of my face. <laughs> yeah, that's me. <laughs> There is such a strong physicality to what you guys do on the show. And the action is literally nonstop going from weapon use and hand-to-hand combat. What was the training process like for that? As soon as we hopped out of the airport, they put us in the, in the stunt warehouse where we just started rehearsing nonstop um, and training nonstop. I mean, all of the other girls should speak out more than I should because I didn't do that much training because the character didn't. Um, wasn't supposed to be specialized in any kind sort of training. So, well, it, it, it allowed her to be stronger, but not wiser with her physicality. Yeah. Well, we'll go to Christina, who has an unforgettable sequence at the lab yeah. where you don the chain mail veil, which is unbelievable. What do you remember about getting ready for that day? Well, I mean, uh, for what you see in the show, you have Helen Tran to thank because sure. she is fantastic and the interesting thing is actually because she's trained in wushu and that is the kind of martial art that she's basically using or it's inspired by that and i'm trained as a classical ballet dancer so those the wushu is one of the chinese martial arts which is which is the most lyrical in the way that it moves um so it actually it we gelled really well in the in the sense that we move very similarly and we but i did learn that sequence slower because we didn't actually want to inflict any damage on anybody but yeah no that, yeah we we i did learn that sequence with her and um there might be some tiny little bits where it is actually me where i'm not actually putting my weapon anywhere near anybody because bad vision and all that <laughs> all a part of the illusion and toya and lorena how about you two you guys got a lot i mean the incredible choreography at the port and everything that goes on forever i mean it's amazing what kind of preparations did they put you through to pull that off and bring that illusion to life? Me and Lorena, we trained probably like four hours a day. It was tough. It was tough, but we were pretty sold on trying to do as much as we can. Uh, so we just tried to work really, really hard at it. Um, it was we were even rehearsing on weekends. Yeah, it was, it was really, really tough. And for me, having to do the the shotguns, because the ones that I'm holding a lot, it's not the fake floppy ones. It's like the actual one. And to get my hand not to shake the angels up above. I, to- <laughs> I, still, I still remember the first fight that we filmed and you couldn't stop saying boom. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> I'm sorry. Oh, no. I had to say it. <laughs> <laughs> that was so epic oh and nobody noticed for like so long it was just completely normal it would as we wouldn't have the bullets and so i would be like i really want to hear the boom yeah there was no boom they were like no boom no boom <laughs> Every one of you has a particular weapon or prop that's part of your character's personality. Can you talk a little bit about that? 
Lilith specializes in Kali, which is a Filipino martial art. And as she was trained to become the next Halo Bearer, she is also trained in sword fighting. How acquainted did you get with your swordplay? Was that something where each of you was set aside to train with an individual expert in a certain field? Is that kind of how that worked? That is how it worked. Yep. Wow. And what happens to those props? Did you guys get to walk away with any of that stuff as mementos or anything like that? <laughs> I will neither confirm nor deny. Anything. <laughs> <laughs> no, I did. I didn't. I didn't. Not the props anyway. Not not the weapons. No, no, no. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. So the <laughs> outfits are so incredibly cool. The show has really like an original and inventive look and feel. What do you guys think of the wardrobe? And did you have any favorite pieces? I can go straight to my Warrior Nun outfit. That was without a doubt my favorite one. Yeah, if I could, I would take that home with me and just sleep. You know, that was <laughs> not very uh, practical to sleep in it. But yeah, um, the leather pants. <laughs> Um, yeah, the, the motorcycle riding leather pants were really nice. And I had a lot of hoods. I had this like coat that really had this nice hood on it. I wish I could have took that. I don't know where I would have wore it. (laughs) (laughs) Was a lot of time spent getting shots just right. There's a real artful look to a lot of the scenes. They're perfectly framed. The scene of Lilith walking through the catacombs, for instance, or a light projection casting across Ava in a certain way. The shots are done almost like paintings. Mm. Yeah, without a doubt, our director of photography, both of our director of photographies had done so much research because they switched from block to block. So while one was working, the other one was studying for his next block. So they all had like a few weeks of preparation time, which really shows in the aesthetics of the show. And Chris Lavasseur, one of our the main DP for the show, Especially with the Adriel uh, fantasy scenes, he was inspired by the Caravaggio paintings. And that was really inspiring to see his work come to life and being on set for that because he was such a perfectionist with the lightings. And yeah, you, you, you can definitely see, you, you feel something through the aesthetics and that's, that's work of art. I'd love to know about the filming locations. Did filming take place in actual castles, churches or cathedrals in Andalusia, Spain, or was most of it in soundstage uh, sets? Well, the head of the OCS is in this amazing church, which was obviously like redone by our incredible art department, but it was sitting on, it's like on Roman ruins in this medieval town and was once a hospital converted into a church. And so it was incredible. And it just had this amazing like feel to it and a lot of history there. You're... Characters go through so much emotionally as well. And one of the things that make Warrior Nun such a standout is that each one of you is so developed as a character. How important do you think that that is to create a bond with the audience? And was that a hard thing to do? Yeah, I mean, obviously any character you play, you need to play them as a complete person. It's a person with a history. It's a person with a family somewhere. So all of that needs to be taken into account. If a character isn't a complete person, I don't think... Like I, 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 as an audience member, can't connect to them because I can't see their whole, their life carried around with them. So I think that was really important for me is to kind of bring her past with her. Like all of us carry our past as a backpack on our backs. Like it's it's in the first impression. You can already tell the essence of these people and where they've come from. I think that's something that we all did really brilliantly is that we can we really portray our history throughout the show and it, we can see how our histories make us develop as well in very different ways. How did you guys end up bonding 
after all this, this show probably meant so much to you guys. And also the emotional journey, as I said, that it took you all on. What have you come out of it with as far as friendships and things go? Me and Lorraine are like sisters. <laughs> yeah. We like live near each other in LA and everything. So we live like right near each other. So it's, it's, it's really, really great. The bond and I have six brothers. So, you know. <laughs> Toya and Elba, you both had the best lines in the show, both in drama and comedic moments. Were some of these moments improvised or was it always taken directly from the script? I think we had improvised moments, right? Yeah, we did. We did. Um, especially in six, I think. We did a lot of improvising in that one. Yeah. No, no, no. They gave us complete freedom with that one because it was such a character driven um, episode and it's like time kind of stopped with all of the tension of the plots and everything. And uh, it was just solely focused on Mary and Ava. And um, they trusted us as actors to, to simply dive into this and, and be creative, which, which I think we were, and we had so much fun. And, um, you know, the jokes just came instinctively and, and the heartful moments as well. Is there any particular favorite lines, Alba, that you have that Ava has said? Because there's some good ones. That's a good question. I, I like the, I think I peed a little. Um, <laughs> Because I could really relate to that one. I mean, I don't. <laughs> that's There's a uh, Nazi suck balls. That's a good one. Oh my God. <laughs> you know, I showed that to a friend of mine and he was like, Alba, that is not okay. <laughs> <laughs> and then I felt a little bad about that one. I said, why did no one tell me? But it's done now. So let the world judge. So you guys get to perform exorcisms to an extent on the show. What's your take on exorcisms? Do you believe people can actually be possessed? Alba's waving. No, no, no. I didn't wait for, for me to be. I, I waved it like, I don't want to. You don't want to go it. there. No. <laughs> How about Lorena? Oh, I, I definitely. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, Yes. With filming in it, all these historical sets and locations, did anything spooky at all happen on set? <laughs> my house was haunted really I, that's what i'm gonna say my house was haunted but it like, wasn't your house lorena it was the cathedral uh, no it was the cathedral but it, it was, was also my house because apparently my house was built on a burial ground what so yeah so i someone was like switching the lights on and off there was weird things happening so yeah. um, but also the cathedral yeah. We found that they hung witches there, right? They hung women who they thought were witches. Yeah. Um, yeah, a lot of, um, um, yeah, yeah. A, a, let's just say it was a very energetically charged place. Take that as you will. I think it affected all of us a little bit differently. But yeah, it was very, very interesting. How long was the filming process? Four months. Yeah. I know there was plans to, and maybe there's stuff you can and can't say, there was plans originally this is going to be a feature-length film and then went to the Netflix thing. Is there other places as far as other media or anything like that that we may see the, the women of the OCS in the future? It didn't work as a feature film because there was just so much story and so many dense characters that it was just not enough time. And uh, they were very smart with turning this into uh, a show. And I'll just say that there's definitely a lot to explore still for every character. One of the greatest things about experiencing this show is that every episode has so much mystery that is paid off in the next one and it makes it so bingeable. So we encourage everybody to just dive into it. Damn. 
I was just wondering about oh. the graphic novel Warrior Nun Ariella by Ben Dunn. Does the series uh, stay true to the graphic novel or does it deviate a little bit? I would say that it takes inspiration in terms of the characters and the the, the basic storyline, but it's stylistically very different. And we did have Ben come over and see us training at the stunt warehouse. And he was, yeah, he was lovely. And I think he was very happy with what he was seeing. So even though it's different, it's, I don't think we've defaced anything. <laughs> Thank you nice. again so much for spending the time with us. We are such huge fans of this show and congratulations yeah. again. Thank you. Awesome. Thank awesome. you. Later. Bye. 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 That was the Boo Crew Podcast episode 139. Special thanks to our guests, Alba Baptista, Lorena Andrea, Toya Turner, and Christina Tontari-Young. At time of release, check out season one of Netflix's Warrior Nun, available now. If you like this episode, check out episode 114 with the creator Motherland, episode 59 with Satanic Duop Group, Twin Temple, and episode 10 with the real-life exorcist and author R.H. Davis. As well as episode 103 with Connor Jessup from Lock and Key. Production tracks for this episode provided by Powerman 5000. Till next time, it's the Boo Crew saying sweet screams. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Boo Crew Podcast. Haunt the Boo Crew at TalesFromTheBooCrew.com. Tales from the Boo Crew on Facebook and Instagram. Follow us on Twitter at TalesFromTheBoo. The Boo Crew is Lauren and Trevor Shand and Leone D'Antonio. The Boo Crew is produced by Lauren Chen, chopped and sliced by Trevor Chen. The Boo Crew is a TSP creation, part of the Bloody Disgusting Podcast Network. Bye! A Bloody Disgusting Podcast Network, home of the Boo Crew. For horror-centric interviews, SCP archives, weekly full-cast storytelling, horror queers, genre commentary from an LGBTQ perspective, and creepy or disturbing and terrifying creepypastas. Listen free wherever you stream audio and at bloodydisgusting.com slash podcasts.